You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. The theme of our sermon is really about the church, the body of Christ. And it's based on the passage that we read together. It's a very distinctive passage of Scripture uh, from 1 Corinthians 12. As I've said earlier, we're, we're going to look at something different, a, a most interesting character. We know little about him, but yet we know a lot about him uh, in the Old Testament this evening uh, at our evening service. The body of Christ. I read a book some years ago by the late David Watson. Some of you may be familiar with it. Uh, I don't know if it's still in print. It was a whole series of books I believe in. And I, I believe, in, and this one by David Watson was, I Believe in the Church. David Watson was a rector, very charismatic kind of person. He came to Ireland, and I heard him uh, on occasions in Carrick Fergus and so on when he, came, when he came to Ireland. But I was at his church in St. Michael the Belfry in London, in, in York City, right next door to um, York Minster. And he, uh, the church was basically revived uh, and from being almost closure to what it, what it is today. But uh, the book about the church, and uh, thinking on the whole summit, our responsibility and involvement in the church. You see, I believe that the church is important to God. I really, really do. But I ask you, what is your attitude to the church? Sometimes I fear a bit for the church. Now, yes, Jesus said, the, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But sometimes I fear for many of our local congregations. Last Sunday, I preached in a church of 250 families. There were 66 people there and two children. I sometimes fear for the future of many of our congregations. What is your attitude to the church? Is the church important to you? And what can you do for your church that is meeting in this place? Why do you come to church? Well, older people didn't talk about coming to church at all. When I was a child, Presbyterians started going to a meeting. And it was a meeting house. And this church is, is of that sort of style, a meeting house gathered around a centre pulpit. Uh, yet a lovely church it is. Do you come to meet your friends? That's important. Uh, it's we come to meet our friends. We come to meet with God. I think it's good to have fellowship and people drinking coffee and so on. That's good. Meeting, meeting together. And then, of course, meeting in fellowship and worship. Do you come to receive teaching? We're told in the Acts chapter, Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, that the early Christians, they met together to receive teaching. Uh, there's a lovely few verses there at the end of Acts chapter 2. Uh, uh, it's called the Berean principle, meeting together. And we get the impression that the early Christians met together on the Lord's day, and they met for communion, they met for fellowship, they met for teaching. It was a very important time for them, as indeed church should be for us. Or do you just come to worship? The primary task of the church, I think it was Arch Temple, Bishop Temple said, was to worship God, and so it is. The church is meant to be a worshiping and praising community. 
And there's a, an illustration about Pliny, the Roman governor, in the days when church was illegal. Uh, Christians were not allowed to meet for the early three or four centuries after the time of Jesus, uh, and uh, it was very difficult, and you'd be thrown into prison and so on. And a report was sent uh, to, to the emperor, and the report was uh, from uh, the, the governor. He went to investigate what was going on with these Christians. And he said, they meet together to sing hymns of praise. So you see, right from the start, the church is to be a praising and a worshiping community. I recall when I was a boy, people in church, they used to stand with a hymn book. And you know, you had men and they stood and they looked at the hymn book as if it was going to eat them. And they never opened their mouths. That's not how it ought to be. The church is meant to be a praising, worshiping, and serving community. And I believe that if Christians are going to make an impact on society where they are, they will do it best when they're united. United as a body. And that body is the church. Maybe that's the reason why St. Paul uses that phrase. It's a distinctive phrase of his, the body of Christ. The human body is an almost perfect analogy for the church. The body is a living organism with many members, controlled by one spirit. It's the most distinctive phrase that St. Paul uses. It's been the source of debate, and yet there's something we can learn. What do we can learn from it? First of all, the church is one body. And that's verse 12. The body is one and has many members. It's the only kingdom we should be building. Not our own little kingdom, not our own little groups, in a sense. It's one kingdom, one body. And that's a great truth. And yet it's a truth that some people want to shy away from. They feel that to speak of the church as one body means that they've got to accept into their fellowship people that maybe they think of as a bit unsound. Uh, people that they're not maybe the same class or color or, or creed or age. I remember going to a church, it wasn't a Presbyterian church, years ago in, in Dungannon, and we were made to sit at the back. There were a couple of us went from the Christian Endeavor, and we were made, we didn't, but we weren't part of that fellowship, and we had to sit at the back. It was a most unwelcoming experience. Church shouldn't be like that. Friend North Antrim, I heard a phrase, people talk about hedging the church, which I think is rather bad, because we don't hedge the church. The church is to be an open community inviting people in, inviting them in for worship and evangelism and teaching and prayer uh, that they'll be, as it were, affected by the spirit of worship. It will be outreaching. It will be warm. It will be welcome. That's what the church ought to be. How lovely your church is open to the world to see people worshiping, and that's how it should be. You know, some people then, they say, well, sure, we all believe the same thing. It doesn't matter what we believe, and they don't believe very much. What a mess the church is in. Trying to come to terms with this fact that the church is one body. Will we ever come to realize that in Christ there is no division of east or west or north or south. There's no division of Jew or Gentile or black or white or young or old or Presbyterian or Baptist. It is a case of a believer, a Christian, or an unbeliever. And anyone who is born again of the Spirit of God, 
is a member of the body of Christ's church, regardless of which denomination, if any, they belong to. One body in Christ. Remember those famous words of John Wesley. John Wesley died as a member of the Anglican Communion. He never had intended to separate. But he said, Is your heart as my heart? Then give me your heart. I remember learning a little chorus when I was a child in Sunday school. It went to the tune, The Red River Valley. I'm not going to sing it. But it said, It matters not what church you belong to. As long as for Calvary you stand, if your soul has been washed in the fountain, I'm your brother or I'm your sister, so give me your hand. And that's a real biblical truth. The church of Christ is one body of which Christ is the head and cornerstone. And so we recognize that great truth today. Well, then Paul goes on to say in verse 14, and he says, The church is not one member, but many. And every member has its own function. Not one member, but many. But every member has its own function. Every member has a role to play. And to the church, Christ has given gifts. And there's a variety of gifts. And the Scripture teaches about that. Romans chapter 12 is a, is a perfect example. Uh, and indeed, the passage we read uh, talks about some gifts. A variety of gifts. A human body with two heads and no arms is not a normal, healthy body. People have always been fascinated by the way the, the parts of the body cooperate together, the brain and the head, the lungs and the nose. Within the body, there's an essential unity. It was Plato who said, we don't say, I, I, my finger has a pain or my knee has a pain. We don't say that. We say, I have a pain. In other words, there is a personality that gives a unity to the whole body. And that's what Christ does to the church. And we have our part to play if we are members of the body. Surely maybe the reason why the church is not moving forward in some places as it ought to be is due to the fact that members of the body are not fulfilling their particular role too anxious to build their kingdom and not anxious to build the bigger picture of the Lord's kingdom. The foot is not expected to do the work of the hand, nor is the eye supposed to do what the ear is made for. So often in churches we have people in square pegs and round holes, jealous of what somebody else is doing, wanting to do it, wanting to be leading what they are leading and yet not wanting to do what they're gifted for. You know, when I was um, a child, I remember one of the things people did the way back in those days. We met together in people's homes, and people played drafts. Now, children wouldn't know what drafts are now, but I don't mean drafts coming through the windows either. Uh, I mean the board game. And I remember distinctly, I can see it as clearly as I can see you, uh, a group of men in our kitchen one evening, and there were, there were people at the table over at the window playing drafts, and other people were sitting around near the fire. And there was a man there, and he was watching what was going on on the table, and he was giving his opinion. Do this. Move that one. Don't move that one there. Crown that king. And there he was shouting for all he was worth, giving all the opinion that he could offer. 
When their game was finished, they said, someone said to him, right, Joe, come on, let's see, see how you can do. He had no idea, no more than I would know about going to the moon, about playing drafts. He was trying to pretend he had the gift of knowing all about it, and he hadn't got a clue, because that wasn't his gift. The church, the church will only be effective when members discover the gifts they have received, and not only discover the gifts, but when they put those gifts into action. Actions speak louder than words. There's nobody in any fellowship who doesn't have a vital and a significant role to play. There's a ministry of visitation. Has God given you that gift? Minister can't do everything. Should you be using it to help? There's a ministry of caring for those who are sick and, and for those who are bereaved. Very often people are lonely these days. They don't want to make a fuss, but they're waiting on someone to knock their door and for a shoulder to cry on or an ear to, as it were, bent off to. Has God blessed you financially? Is there something you could do to help, uh, to help even in a practical way? There's a work in administration in most churches, I'm sure, in technology and in music and in praise. And, and there's so many areas where the church is involved in committee doing practical things. Those are important things. They're every bit as important as speaking and teaching because they're working together. The ministry of reaching out to young people, that's important. People say that youth are the church of tomorrow. They're not. If they're not the church of today, they will not be in the church tomorrow. We need to reach them to bring them in, and you're fortunate to have young people here, and that's great. Reach them, cherish them, bless them. I'm grateful for those who minister to us when I was a teenager and so on. Minister to the alcoholic, to people who have passed by in the town, uh, areas like that. People using our gifts. This is what I'm on about today. Using whatever gift you have in the body of Christ. Let us ask God, what gift do we have that we can use? There was a man called Billy Hull. He's dead long since. Billy Hull once thought he was going to be a preacher. But he couldn't preach for a slice of toast. And yet, he had another gift. He could share his faith in a simple one-to-one -one way. And who eventually became a, a, a culprit with the Irish mission of the Presbyterian Church. And he gave his life to knocking doors in the working-class housing estates of North Dublin. Who only heaven will be able to tell the influence that that man had as he used his gift for the glory of God in the area in which he himself was gifted. Using your gift. If you're a member of the body of Christ, there's a work for you to do. And my advice you to get on with it. And then thirdly, Paul teaches that all members of Christ's body are interdependent. In other words, verse 21, we need each other. We need each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or I don't agree with you. Every member of the body needs the support and the help and the encouragement of others as we labor with each other. And all members should be in mutual sympathy. 
let us thank God today for those who labor with us, whatever their gift is. Sometimes jealousy creeps into churches. Sometimes things get a bit uh, fractious and uh, people get a bit suspicious of each other. That's not how it ought to be. The members of the body of Christ should never be jealous of one another. If a limb or an, if a limb or an organ ceases to function, the whole body is thrown out of gear. It's a trick of the devil. Slow down. Did Paul ever say he was the greatest? No, he did not. Paul used a lovely phrase. He said, we are fellow workers. And we are co-workers with him. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're co-workers one with the other. So members of the body are interdependent. If the church is to be effective, people working together, nobody left out, people using their gift, people reaching out, people drawing others in, seeking to advance the kingdom and the church that meets in this place. Are you seeking to advance the church meeting here? There's another side to it. Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. In other words, the members of the body of Christ, they should care for one another. The church of Christ was meant to be, is meant to be, a caring community, a fellowship of people united. Oh yes, we don't always see eye to eye with each other all the time, but we don't allow our differences to get in the way of the work of the church. For we have a common aim, a common goal, bonded together by the Holy Spirit. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Sometimes we say, ah, what's wrong with the church? The church is not the way it used to be. People say that. Maybe it wasn't so good in days gone by either. But if you have been justified by faith in Christ, you are a member of the body of Christ. You have the privilege of belonging and the privilege of working and the privilege of serving. And God has given gifts to you. What are we saying? Yes, one body. And in that body, many members. They're all different. They're all important. The church only effective when members putting their gift, your gift, my gift together, working together, and the members are dependent on each other. You know, there's an uncomfortable truth in the parody of a famous old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. There's a verse that was written like this, it said, not properly, the parody reads, like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where we've always trod. We are all divided, many bodies we, very strong on doctrine, very weak on charity. You know what that verse should say? Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body we, one in hope, in doctrine, one in charity. Let us strive that that will be our prayer as we work together in our church here in this place, and in the church generally speaking, for the glory of God, which is the greatest thing that we can do. Let us pray.